0: let's go to Ephesians four and we want to continue with this that we've been on give no place. I think this is the fifth part, and we're nowhere near done uh, because what a lot of people fail to realize sometimes is you know in a in a local church in a church, God'll get that body moving down a road of revelation and I was at a uh, a pastor's school one year in Southern California and uh, uh, it was a wonderful school uh, but they were talking there about planning your sermons. Now, don't misunderstand me. I mean, I know that that there needs to be a certain amount of planning as far as what I mean by that is as far as uh, taking your time and, and there are, of course, seasonal messages that you need to minister and whatnot. Uh, but they went through the process of of you know, getting out your whiteboard and and going through the weeks of the month and planning what you were going to minister, and I mean, don't misunderstand me. I mean, uh, that has its place, but the whole time I was think sitting there thinking, I was thinking, uh, what about Revelation? What about God gets you on a track, and you gotta you gotta walk that road out, because in a church body. The more that pastor and that minister stays on that road of revelation, God will reveal more revelation, and the light will keep coming, and, and that's why as something is ministered in a series or in a in a in a in a in a, in, uh, in the messages, more revelation is coming, and it's coming to the head, but it's also coming to the body. You got to understand something as a church. You can move over into the same spiritual room of, as your pastor if you're staying on the same road of revelation. If I'm staying on the same road of revelation, I can move over into that same room of revelation where I'm seeing the same thing they're seeing. I'm seeing it the way they're seeing it. When Elijah went and anointed Elisha, remember that God told him, you are going to go and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, to be prophet in your room. And when Elijah was getting ready to be taken, Elijah said to Elisha, if you see me when I go, in the Hebrew it says this, if you see things the way I see it, you can have a double portion. But you got to be seeing things the way I see it. So you're not ever just coming to church to hear a message, you're coming to church to get a revelation that's matching up to the room you're in. And so you got to keep walking that road of revelation out. And so that's what we're doing in this series, Give No Place. We're learning, we're learning and seeing how the enemy operates. And probably even more importantly, that regardless how he operates, we give him no place. Right? He's a fallen one, he's been cast down, he's not who he claims to be. Amen. I remember one time uh, uh, there was a young man in the church and uh, there was a young lady that came and she was looking for a man. I don't know if you've ever met anybody like that. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, man, she would get around me and it was like fingernails on a chalkboard in my spirit. And I mean, I'm nice to everybody, but I just, oh my goodness. And uh, one night she caught me and uh, he wasn't around. And she started telling me that him and her wanted to get together and they need to have a meeting with me. And I thought, well, that's interesting. He got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost in this church and has been around for a number of years and he hadn't talked to me about it. And uh, people say, well, what did you do? Well, I went to him. And I said, son, that one is not for you. That's not for you. Trust me. Amen. And, and he made the proper changes. Now, I wasn't trying to run his life. You understand what I'm saying? But there was something there. She was not who she pretended to be. That's that's the enemy is not who he makes himself out to be. And the church hasn't helped. Because nowhere in the Bible does it tell you to pray against the devil. Nowhere in the Bible. It tells you to take authority over the devil. As a matter of fact, the words war, warfare, warring, they're never once used in connection with the devil in the entire New Testament. Never one time. Never one time. They're used in connection with your mind and your flesh. Never in connection with the devil. Never one time are you told to war against the devil. Yeah, but Paul told Timothy to, to wage a good warfare right against his flesh. That's what he said. And what we, ha- we have to understand that because the enemy will have you chasing shadows. He'll have you chasing ghosts. Amen. When the battle's right here. So in Ephesians 4, 25 and 27... It says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. And so we've made the statement that Paul, of course, tells us two things that number one, there's a devil. Number two, we don't have to give him place. The Bible says, Give him no opportunity for acting. No opportunity for acting. Now, here's something that's very elementary, but very life changing. If the Bible tells you there's something That you can do to give the devil no opportunity. Then you can give the devil no opportunity. Amen. Do you see this? So he's looking for a loophole. A foothold. The devil's entrance into a believer's life. Is allowed mainly. Through the negligence of the believer. Mainly through the negligence of the believer. My pastor said years ago. And it it caused me to think about things. He said, he said, most believers are ignorant of spiritual things. Most believers are ignorant of spiritual things. And that is that negligence that the enemy uses to get a foothold in people's lives. Amen. Amen. If there's an uncommitted or unrenewed part of that believer's mind, the enemy can slip in and start to wage warfare against the mind and the flesh of that person. That's what he's looking for, is an uncommitted or unrenewed area of the mind. And there's lots of, lots of uh, illustrations of that in the Word. We're not going to get into them tonight. But, you know, when you start talking about the mind in church and you start talking about the mind uh, uh, among believers, you know, we know the Scripture. You know, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Uh, present your body a living sacrifice, holding acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we read that scripture, and that's even on people's confession list. Why do you have to renew your mind? Not just so you think different than you did when you were a sinner. A lot of that occurred immediately when you were born again. You started seeing things different because the light came on, the darkness was lifted, the perception was no longer darkened, and you saw how silly the way you were living were. Right? Or was. But... If there's an uncommitted or unrenewed part of my mind, that's where the enemy slips in. See, what a lot of believers don't keep in their consciousness is that we're a three-part being, a spirit, a soul, and a body. We are a spirit. We possess a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. Your body is largely, well, it's 100% dependent on your spirit, And 100% dependent on your soul. Because without your soul, I mean, your body doesn't think. Your body's never thought about anything. Your body feels because it's connected to the control center in your brain and in your mind. But when the spirit leaves, what happens? The soul departs as well, and the body falls over dead. So your body's just a carrying case It's it's just a tool either used to do what God wants you to do or what the enemy wants you to do. And the enemy knows that between that body and spirit is the soul realm, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And he knows if he can control the mind, he can control what's going on in that body. And so what a lot of believers do is they don't keep that in their consciousness that they are a spirit. They possess a soul, And they live in a body. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. It says concerning Jesus and having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. The it is his cross. The Phillips translation says. And then having drawn the sting of all the powers and authorities ranged against us. Notice what he did. He exposed them. And how did he expose them? Exposed that they were what? Shattered, empty, and defeated. In his own triumphant victory. He exposed them for what they were. Shattered, empty, and defeated. In his own triumphant victory. So according to scripture. We're dealing with a host of enemies that are shattered empty and defeated hallelujah now they're organized the devil's organized when, when, and we'll in future messages we'll teach on this from Ephesians 6 but he said there are, are principalities that we're dealing with we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities right which the basic definition of that is aged or ancient or old, meaning that they, they, they are principalities, demon spirits, that have been around for ages that we're dealing with. Powers, which, which, which carries the idea of a young, raw recruit in an in a armed force that has to be brought under authority, and, and that energy has to be brought under. Amen. Principalities, powers. Spiritual wickedness in high places. So that tells us that where is Satan's range of operation? In the air, not on the moon, not in space, on the earth, right? Now why why is that so important? Because that's what we're dealing with, but they're empty, shattered, and defeated. So why do you hear so many believers talk about how the devil's fighting them? Oh boy, the devil's up to no good. Well, what do you think a liar and a murderer is up to? No good, right? Amen. You know, like that great theologian Charlie Pride used to sing: "There's snakes crawl at night." Some of y'all don't even know Charlie Pride. Who who knows who Charlie Pride was? All right, okay. Snakes crawl at night. <laughs> So Jesus stripped them of the authority they once possessed. And his authority was so thorough that he exposed them. Think about that for a minute. They have been exposed as shattered, empty, and defeated. Amen. Shattered, empty, and defeated. In other words, there was combat, and our champion Jesus exposed them As not having the ability. To finish the job. They just don't have it. Amen. This has not though. stopped the devil. And and he did something. He exposed them openly. I like that. I like that. Because one translation says. He led them in triumphal procession. Don't you know that was hard on the devil. Prideful as he is. To be exposed Openly that he was empty, shattered, and defeated. Amen. But even though he did that, that's not stopped the devil from trying to sound fearful or sound menacing. He's constantly hassling people's thoughts, our thoughts, constantly. And and, and you name what he's saying. He's telling some people you're going to fail. Telling other people, nobody likes you. Everybody hates you. Go out in the garden and eat worms. Right? I mean, you're not going to make it financially. You're never going to get your healing. Uh, Who do you think you are? So on and so forth. Constantly hassling the thought processes. Because why? He's wanting to make that constant onslaught against our minds. And that's an attempt to beat us down into defeat, to wear us down. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that what the enemy tries to do to the saints in that time period is wear them out. Wear them out, wear them down. Amen. And then, here's something, swallow us up in self-pity. I'm not going to take the time to teach on that tonight, but do anything but feel sorry for yourself. Do anything but feel sorry for yourself. Nobody owes you nothing. Amen. Expect nothing and be thankful for everything. That's how how you defeat self-pity. Amen. I've mellowed over the years, but I used to talk to people and they'd say, well, nobody ever taught me and my dad never. And, And in the beginning I'd say, man, get over it. I mean, get over it. Come on. You know what this is? World's smallest record player playing. My heart bleeds for you. I don't say that anymore, all right? I told one guy, you want some wine with that, che- or cheese with that wine? Amen. But I don't counsel that way anymore, so. Self-pity. Everybody's against me. That, that's a thought. That that person's giving place to. And the enemy's winning. A shattered, defeated, empty devil is winning. Amen. I've had people say, well, you know, they don't think much of my ministry. And they don't see my anointing. And they don't understand my grace gift. Come on. Come on. Where did that thought come from? Didn't come from God. Came from the devil. You got to understand something. Thoughts are not just thoughts. They're words that some entity is speaking. You can't see them, but they're talking. You don't hear spiritual words with your ears. You hear spiritual words in your soul and in your spirit. And when there's a thought that comes into your mind, some entity said it. Either the spirit of God or the devil. Now most believers don't think along those lines. I've had had people say, you know for the last week I've had thoughts of doing this. For a week you've had thoughts trying to move you a direction you know you shouldn't go. And you haven't done anything about it. That's the enemy trying to move that person into the realm that he wants them to be in. Thoughts. Thoughts are nothing to play with. There are no unimportant thoughts. Amen. I, I know of two ministers. Solid word of faith ministers for years. Solid word of faith ministers. One of them now is new age. And the other one is a Unitarian. That actually said this. He said the only people that are in hell are the people that the blood of Jesus was not strong enough to save. And used to preach conferences that every major minister preached at. You name them, they preached there. What happened? How did that happen? He started thinking about something. A thought came and it moved him away from where he needed to be. The other minister that I've heard I don't know how many times Used to stay with Brother Hagin, was was one of Brother Hagin's spiritual sons. Stayed with him, lived with him, ministered in all the major conferences. Now, espousing a a, a new age gospel, preaching that Paul was a Gnostic and that he just preached Jesus as one of many gods. How'd that happen? How do you go from having such great revelation about the Word of God To preaching everything contrary to the word of God. Because somewhere a thought slipped in. A thought got in. They didn't cast it down. They didn't deal with it. And the devil turned them. Amen. And here's the thing about this. Is it seems so elementary and mundane. Understand something. The devil will never come to you spectacularly. Ever. He won't. Because you would reject it. But how many people do you know? How many times have you not rejected a thought? Okay, here's here's a question. Uh, Raise your hand if you've never lied. I can't raise mine either. Right? But here's the thing. Why would a person ever lie? They thought about lying. They thought about weighing the options. We're going to talk about lying towards the end of the message. (laughs) <laughs> well, if I, if I tell the truth, right, it could cost me. I could get in trouble. I could, right, be exposed. Somebody will know the truth. Mm-hmm. Right? So lying seemed like the best option. <laughs> well, how would I do that? I had a thought. And didn't deal with it. Amen. 1 Peter 5.8. You know this verse. But notice this. It says. Be sober. The word in the Greek is sober minded. Sober minded. Be sober minded. Be vigilant. Be vigilant. Over what? Because of what the first word means. Over your mind. Why? Because your adversary, your personal adversary, who is he? The devil, walketh about, or excuse me, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Is that right? Now, the word seek implies something. Not everybody's going to fall for his tactics. Not everybody. Because he's not just seeking anyone to devour. He's seeking those he may devour. I personally fall into the may not category. That's a good place for you to say me too. He may not devour me. Right? But he's seeking those he may devour. And and there's some categories that he's looking for. Number one, he's looking for those that are weak in faith. Why is he looking for those that are weak in faith? 1 John 5, 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. The victory that overcomes the world is our faith. Ephesians chapter 6, and take unto you the shield of faith, wherewith you'll be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked. All of them. All of them. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Over and over again, the scripture tells us that faith is victory. And if he can find someone that's weak in faith, someone that's not building their faith, he'll devour them. Why? Because they have no protection. Number two, he's looking for people that are ignorant of the word. Every believer should have a working knowledge of the word of God. Every believer should know what the word of God has to say about the situation that they're dealing with. Ignorance, contrary to popular belief, is not bliss. Ignorance is death. Hosea 4, 6 said, my people are destroyed because of ignorance. Who'd he say? He said, the world? No, he said, my people. My people. Right? So, if he said, my people in the Old Testament, God doesn't change. It's still the same way. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Amen. Always, always. Think about what grandma taught and you bought and go back and look and see, was that the word or opinion? Because I don't want to be ignorant of the word. Amen. Let let me use a really easy elementary example that has nothing to do with anything theologically, but still yet. All right? Acts, what is it, Acts chapter 9, Paul's conversion, Saul's conversion. And how many times have you heard these great rousing sermons? And Paul was on his horse, and he was on his horse going to Damascus. And all of a sudden, a light shone around about him. And that light, the Bible says, knocked Paul off of his horse. You know, I've looked for that horse for 30 plus years and never found it. It's not there. But preachers will preach it. Right? And believers will shout about it. Because they don't know what's in the word. How about this one? You know, Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices, and Cain and Abel brought a blood sacrifice because Adam and Eve had taught him. Show me that in the Bible. Where's that at in the Bible? Where does it say Adam and Eve taught him? Well, somebody had to teach him. Doesn't say Adam and Eve. Yeah, but you know. No, 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 no. It's not yeah, but you know. It's what does the word say? I've had people tell me, you're, you're too much of a stickler. I mean, those things don't matter. They're not the difference between heaven and hell. Listen, if you'll put a horse where there is no horse, what else you putting in there that's not there? And the enemy's depending on that. He's depending on that. And that's why you've got, well... You've got some churches that are full nowadays. You've got got churches all around the world and and the United States that people bounce off the walls about things that aren't even in the word. Because they're largely ignorant of the word. And then the enemy comes in and uses that ignorance to devour them. My grandmother, bless her heart, my dad's mother, she's in heaven today. But one of her favorite sayings was, well, you know, it's like the Bible says, cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, cleanliness is a good godly thing. But the, that's not a scripture. Right? Thirdly, he devours people that are isolated to themselves. Isolated to themselves. And we're seeing that more and more today. As people try to move more and more towards social media church. Just, I'll just stay at home and watch. Well, here's the problem with staying at home and watching. You're isolated. You have no protection. Do you realize the Bible says that you need to come to church so you can be matured and grow and and function in the things God wants you to do and hear from your pastor? But even, even on the same level, God says you need to come. Read Hebrews 10 sometimes. You need to come to church so that you can be exhorted by your brethren edified by your brethren so you can have fellowship with men and women of God, right? You can't do that isolated. Amen. And here's something else. When you just put church down to a social media event, you're putting church on the same level as funny cat videos and epic fails. And that's not where church is. Amen. The Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. And it says even the more as you see the day approaching. There's a prophecy at the return uh, at Washington not too long ago uh, by a pastor named Kent Christmas. And he pastors uh, 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 the church in Nashville, Tennessee. And he made a statement in that prophecy. And he said the church is going to fill up again. And he made a statement. He said, sports are not going to rebound even though they say they will. And he said, the theaters are going to remain empty. But the church is going to fill up. And he made a statement. He said, he, and, 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 and you know, of course you got to believe what you believe. But he said, because thus saith the Lord, I am preparing for the last great harvest before I return. And he said the years between 2021 and 2024 were going to usher in the greatest harvest the world's ever seen. Now, we have Bible for that. Amen. I don't want to miss out on my part of that harvest. Amen. Then, the next one, people that are not mature enough to stand against his constant allegations. Why is that? Well, Hebrews chapter 4 says that when you come to church and you set under the fivefold ministry gifts that the first thing that happens is that you're matured for the work of the ministry. Despite what some people are saying, you will not mature the way that you should without the local church. You will not mature like you should without a pastor speaking in your life. It's impossible. It's a spiritual impossibility. Amen. So these are the individuals he's seeking to devour and his object is this, to devour them. The word devour comes from a Greek word that literally means to swallow up completely. To swallow up completely. But it not only means that, it means to swallow up completely and slurp up the blood that was left. There's no evidence. that per- They're gone. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. Am I helping you tonight? See, if, if I know his motive, if I know the way he acts, then I'm on guard. The believer has nothing at all to fear about the devil. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's nothing to be afraid of with him, about him at all. Nothing. Yeah, but you know. No, no, it's not. Yeah, but you know. He's empty, shattered, defeated. Jesus exposed him. He's a paper tiger. Right? Right? Amen. <laughs> One preacher said, you know, Jesus pulled the teeth of the devil. He said, the problem is most Christians are so soft and pliable, he can gum them to death. <laughs> That's not you, all right? 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14, notice what it says. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. It's another picture of Satan as a mastermind manipulator. Meaning this, he disguises himself as something he's really not. He's not an angel of light. He transforms himself into one, but he's not. The attack comes against a person's mind. Brother Hagen said this: If Satan can capture your thought life, he can defeat you. He said, the devil moves through feelings, suggestions, and the thinking processes. That's how he moves. If he can capture your thought life, he can defeat you. He went on to say, if you think on the wrong thing, you're going to believe the wrong thing. And if you believe the wrong thing, you're going to say the wrong thing. And once he gets you saying it, it's over. Because you'll have what you say. Remember what Brother Hagen used to say? He would say, a thought will come into your mind. He said, but a thought coming into your mind is like a bird flying over your head. He said, you can't stop the bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest in your hair. So you can't stop necessarily the thought from coming, but you can stop it from staying. And whatever you do, don't say it. Because that's where the power is initiated. Hallelujah. Pastor Nancy Dufresne said, wrong thinking is the open door to difficulty. A lot of people face so much difficulty because of wrong thinking. She also went on to say, wrong wrong thoughts are just shovels that dig you into a pit. So this attack comes against a person's mind. It's his, an example of his ability to twist people's thinking. What people are hearing today, I hear, I hear Christians like they're surprised that the world thinks so twisted. Well, they have no, they have no, they have no defense against what the devil's trying to get them to think. When the Lord said to me, and I shared it with you, He said, don't be deceived, and don't listen to anything that would deceive. That would try to deceive you. I had somebody ask me, today, did you watch such and such? I said, no, I didn't. Because God told, the Lord told me not to listen to anything that would try to deceive me. If I know somebody's a liar, why would I listen to them? Why would I care about what they have to say? Well, you know, Pastor, I want to be informed. I don't want to be informed about a lie. Somebody asked somebody, it was very close to Brother Hagin. They said, what would Brother Hagin be saying in the day that we're in? They said this very simply. They said, Brother Hagin would be saying what the word says. This is more important than what the Republican is saying or the Democrat. Because if you're in this room and you're a Republican, you are going to paint everything with the Republican brush. If you're a Democrat, you're going to paint everything with the Democrat brush. This is not Republican or Democrat. This is God. And you paint whatever you you believe with what does this say? Amen. Why is that so important? The devil can't get in and mess you up with this. And if you're listening to what will deceive you and giving your mind over to it, you're not hearing the spirit of truth. And it makes it easier for the enemy to deceive. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not telling you what to watch and what to do. That's your business. Y'all are grown. But here's the thing. If, if, I'm giving, if it comes across the pulpit and the Spirit of the Lord is saying it to my church, then I've got to give it some attention. Right? Amen. That's why all through this season we've prospered. You've prospered. Had victory. Things have got. There are people in here. You're better off financially than you've ever been. In the middle of a pandemic. Why? Because we've been listening to what the Lord says. Hallelujah. I said what the Lord says. Not what I said. What the Lord says. Amen. The name Satan is taken from the Hebrew word Shatana. S-H-A-T-A-N-A. Shatana. And it means to hate and accuse. And it carries the idea of slander and false accusation. So that's, that's what he is. He slanders and brings false accusation. The devil hates you. He hates everybody. Amen. First Peter 5, 8 again. It says, your adversary, the devil. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil... The, the New Testament refers to Satan as the devil more than 40 times. 40 times. This is so important because the word devil comes from two Greek words. It's a compound word. comes from two Greek words. The first one is dia. D-I-A. And it, it, it carries the idea of through, like you go through something, and penetration. Through and penetration. All right? Dia. Through and and penetration, and balos, B-A-L-O-S, dia balos, and the word balos means like uh, uh, you're throwing a rock against a wall, or against a structure, or a ball, or some object that you're throwing against a wall, or, or, or an object. These two words together depict this, the act of repeatedly throwing a ball or a rock against something until it what? Until it, penetrates that barrier and breaks through to the other side. That's his mode of operation. To attack your mind again and 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 again again until he penetrates, all right, and then he can begin to wage warfare against your mind. When the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices and it tells us to stand against the wiles of the devil... The word wiles of the devil contains the idea of paving something with a road. And so the enemy fights to penetrate a person's mind and then pave a road into their thinking. That's the key. That's the key. The key to spiritual warfare is not how much you pray in tongues. The devil's not afraid of your tongues. They don't bother him. You can't do spiritual warfare with tongues. It's impossible. He doesn't understand tongues. You pray in tongues to figure out the answer. Your spiritual warfare is going to be waged in your mind. Amen. Amen. I, I, I've, know, I've, known, I've known people that were so strong spiritually and full of the word of God and strong in the things of God that are, that are shells of themselves today because they gave their mind over to something they shouldn't have been thinking. You got to guard your thinking. You got to guard your family's thinking. Amen. It doesn't matter how unpopular it is. Amen. I'm helping you. So the name gives us his mode of operation. I mean, he'll come and say, What are you going to do? 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 How are you going to make it? 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 You don't have, you don't have. You're broke, you're broke, you're broke. Boy, your children aren't born again. Going to hell, going to hell, going to hell, going to hell. No hope, no hope. What's he doing? Not just harassing you, he's trying to penetrate your mind and pave a road into it. And then once he paves a road into it, he gets a hook in it. And once he gets a hook in it, you've got to work to get it out. It's best just to keep the door shut. Amen? So he does that until finally he breaks through and penetrates their thought processes. And once that's done, once that's accomplished, he can set about devouring him. Devouring that individual. Ephesians 4. I'll finish up with this. And we're just going to deal with one of these. We'll read them all, but we're going to deal with one. Can't possibly teach on all of these tonight. We'll, We'll get into them as we move forward. Uh, Ephesians four again verse 25 put, uh, Wherefore put away lying, speak every man's truth with his neighbor, we're members one of another. be angry, sin not, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor with his hands the thing which is working the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now notice, before Paul told the Ephesian church to put on the armor of God, he said these different things. Number one, he said, put away lying. Put away lying. As a believer, when it comes to telling the truth, you really don't have an option. But I say this, you have two options. Tell the truth or say nothing. And saying nothing doesn't always work. Because in a lot of instances, silence is agreement. But he says, notice, put away lying. Now I know this might be I'm kind of preaching to the choir. But don't ever lie. If it costs you, you don't lie. Why? I heard Brother Keith Moore say this one time. He said lies blind and lies bind. Amen. Amen. But he said, the truth will make you free, and the truth lets you see. Lies blind. Lies bind. Now now listen, when we think about lies, people think about different things. Let me throw something else in here. Exaggerations. Embellishments. Half-truths. You know what a half-truth is? A whole lie. Amen. If it's not exactly that way, then then don't say it's exactly that way. Why? It opens a door. Amen. Amen. I've had preachers say before, you know, they'd have a good turnout in the church. And they say, "How, how was things? Oh, we are packed out. Now, wait a minute. Let's examine packed out. That means every seat was full. It was packed. Was every seat full? Well, no, but you know what I mean. No, I don't know what you mean because you told me it was packed out. That means every seat was full. If every seat wasn't full, what do you mean? And I've had people tell me, I've had people tell me that I go overboard with this. Well, you know what? The devil don't have any say in my life, and I like it. I like my bubble. I had a lady look at me one time and say, you're living in a dream world. I said, yeah, and don't wake me up. Because it's good over here. I mean that. Amen. Don't don't ever exaggerate. There's been times in my life, in my ministry life, I've said things and not intentionally doing it, but I would get home and the Lord would say, "Uh, you exaggerated that. And I made a deal with him a long time ago. If you call me on something, I'll repent the next time I'm in the pulpit. And I've done it. See, but we say things that are exaggerations. Whoo, I'm just wore out. You know what wore out means? No good. When something is wore out, you don't use it anymore. So are you wore out? No. You might be tired, but are you wore out? No. See, people say, "Yeah, yeah, no, that's an exaggeration. That's an exaggeration. Oh, I'll tell you what, on the way to work today, it took forever. It took eternity? Well, no, you know what I mean. No, I don't know what you mean because you said forever. If it took forever, you'd still be sitting on Shackleford. Now again, people say, well, that's not a lie. What is it then? Well, you know, I mean, it's just a figure of speech. Okay, it's an embellishment. It didn't take forever. It might have took you 30 extra minutes or 10 extra minutes, but it didn't take forever. Tell you what, I went to that restaurant. It's the worst service in the world. So you've been at every restaurant in all the world, and you can tell me that it's the worst service in the whole world. I'm just, what I'm trying to get across to you is that those things, and the enemy uses that. If he knows that there's somebody that will exaggerate or embellish the truth or shade the truth, that's an open door into their life. It's an open door into their mind. You tell the truth if it costs you. You tell the truth. You are of the truth. The truth lives in you. Amen. I have a series called To Tell the Truth. The Bible says speak truth with each other. With believers, it should be this way. I won't lie to you, I won't lie for you, and I won't lie about you. Amen. I remember one time, I'll try to wrap up with this. I was working at uh, uh, Associated Grocers in, in uh, Ocala, Florida, and uh, uh, working at the warehouse there, and they got a new client. And they were trying to impress this new client, so they went out and bought a couple of new trucks, and, and, and I worked uh, loading trucks. And there was about five of us that worked loading those trucks. And I, I got on the truck one day to start work, and I noticed this young man was over there, and he was writing something really vulgar on the wall and drawing a picture to accompany it. It's a brand new truck. New client. Well, I'm not the boss. I don't. You know, only thing I could have did was slap him right? Didn't want to do that. Uh, well, it did, but it didn't. But the point is, <laughs> is uh, so they sent that truck to the client, and about two days later, they got, this of course was before email and before all that, and so they got a phone call, and, and uh, they called Mr. Leonard Faison, and Leonard Faison was the head manager there, and he was a believer, a good man, a wonderful man of God. And uh, uh, they said, you know, this vulgar comment was on the wall, and this picture, and And, you know, it could have cost him this contract. So he called the five of us in, one at a time. And he brought the first four in before me. And he was asking them, do you all know who did this? Everybody said, no, we didn't do it. We don't know who did it. He called me in. I sat down. He said, now, Philip, he said, do you know who did this? I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, who did it? I said, this guy right here. He did it. I walked in the truck, and he was marking on the wall. Do you know I've had Christians tell me I was a snitch? (laughs) You snitched them out. That's a worldly term. That bothers me when Christians say that, well, I don't like a snitch. You're telling me you don't like the truth. Amen. Well, you know, about a day later, I was walking on the dock, going, going to work, and uh, his brother accosted me. His brother worked there, and his brother was a bodybuilder. And about this time, I was only about 19, maybe 20, and I weighed about 140 pounds, 135, and wet. And he, he met me on the dock, and he said, now I'm going to tell you something. I said, okay. And he said, my brother didn't do that. I said, yes, he did. He said, well, I'm telling you, he don't carry a pen, and that's the way we're going to say it. I said, no, we're not, because he did it. It's the truth, right? I'm not putting myself up as some bastion of moral virtue, but what I'm trying to explain to you is the truth is the truth. Nothing changes it. Well, I'm going to whoop you if, if you if you say that. Well, whooping me doesn't change the truth. Right? Well, you'll get in trouble if you tell the truth. Well, me getting in trouble doesn't change the truth. And Paul said that when, I, when a person lies, they give place to the devil. They give place to the devil. So if I got to stop and think about something before I answer, I want to think about it and say it just right. Amen. And, uh, you know, I've had people say this. They say, well, you know, everybody lies. No, I don't. I don't believe you do. Right? There are no white lies or black lies. They're all lies. Big lies, small lies, they're all lies. And they all give place to the devil. And isn't it interesting? Paul had to tell believers, put it away. Don't listen to it. Don't, don't. speak truth with each other. The, one of the greatest things that could be said about you is that person will always tell you the truth. They will tell you the truth regardless. My wife told somebody one time, she said, Philip Steele is honest to a fault. Why? Because I know what it'll do to you it'll destroy your life. Amen. That's why I told, I told somebody one time, they said, well, you know, uh, I can't be in church tonight. I said, you can't or you won't. Because if you can't, that means you're incapacitated. There's no possible way. If you can and you say you can't, you just lied. Say you won't be there. I'm not going to get mad at you. Nobody's going to get mad at you. It's like somebody says, I'll be at your house at 7, and they show up at 7.20. You lied. Oh, pastor, that's too much. No. Unless something happened, you couldn't make it, got caught in traffic, you lied. You said you'd be there at 7. Now, that's how I look at it. That's how I look at it. And, you know, if you show up late, I'm not going to go, oh, you lied. I'm not going to do that. But... Right? But, but understand, it's, 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 it's how people couch these things and what they put up with. Right? Oh, brother, I'll, I'll be there Thursday, I'll see you Thursday, and Thursday rolls around, and they don't show up. And then they come in, they just act like they didn't say what they said. They're, they don't realize this, they think that's simple, they're giving place to the devil. They're giving place to the devil. They're giving him a foothold, giving him a loophole because that's a lack of integrity. It's an unrenewed, uncommitted part of their mind and they think that's okay and it's a loophole for the devil. If you say you're gonna be there at seven, at at least be there by seven. Maybe be early, but at least show up at seven because you're keeping the door shut. Amen, I'll, I'll leave you with that. Let's stand on our feet, everybody. Praise the Lord. That's what, that's what builds a strong church. When you've got character and integrity in the seats, you're going to have a strong church. Amen. Because people will come in, and if I can use a Star Trek term, people will come in, the body will assimilate them. Amen. And people will come in that don't know anything about truth, and they'll rub up against you, and they'll start telling the truth. Because we are truth speakers. Amen.